Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another enlightening episode of Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we have a truly inspiring guest who embodies the essence of resilience, self-love and the compassion. Yes, I'm talking about Renee Smith. Welcome to the show Renee. Thank you Avik, I'm very happy to be here. Lovely, lovely. So Renee, like uh, before we start our conversation, I'd love to mention this to all of our listeners that Rene is not just a heart-centered mindful living and the self-love coach. She is actually the beacon of strength and the hope for those navigating the challenging journey of healing. So trained in the mindfulness based uh, stress reduction which we call MBSR uh, the mindful uh, self compassion reiki divine sleep uh, yoga nidra yoga and the yoga-based mindfulness, breathe work and the meditation, she brings a wealth of knowledge and the personal experience to the devil. But her story goes even deeper. Like in 2021, she faced the unimaginable loss of her husband to suicide. So however, rather uh, than succumbing to the despair, she tapped into her extensive toolkit of the mindfulness practices, yoga, self-care techniques, not only to survive, but to thrive. Today, as a coach, speaker, workshop facilitator, writer, she is on a mission to help others prevent the burnout and the overwhelm. So she also guides individuals towards the practical and the mindful self-care, self-love and the self-compassion helping them to reconnect with their inner selves and transform their lives from mere survival to thriving. So you might be thinking like what sets uh, Renee apart? So what uh, Renee apart is her commitment to, I mean, uh, of the, uh, I mean, the conversations around the suicide and the tragic loss. So as a uh, suicide loss survivor, she speaks from a place of the authenticity and the vulnerability, aiming to create a space where these conversations can be held with the love and the compassion. So as we dive into this episode, Rene will share her personal journey, insights and the practical tips for upgrading our lives from mere survival to the joy, health and the balance. So join us as we explore the power of mindfulness, self-love, 
and the importance of the open and compassionate dialogue around the difficult, difficult topics. So without further ado, let's welcome Rani again to the Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That was a really beautiful intro. I really appreciate how you wove in um, all the aspects of my journey. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much. And uh, to start with, Renee, like uh, if you can share a bit about your personal journey, uh, though I have mentioned, but uh, if you can also share uh, more about your personal journey uh, and how you discovered the power of mindfulness, the yoga practices in navigating through the challenging experience you had. Right. So my actual delving into mindfulness and self-care practices really began around nine or 10 years ago. Um, at that time, my husband was living with an undiagnosed, untreated mental illness, and it just caused so much chaos in the household. There was um, a lot of emotional abuse. There was narcissistic behavior. It was challenging for myself and my son. And I found one day I was walking out the back door of my office with my head down, realizing stress had crushed my soul and I didn't even want to communicate with people anymore. I didn't know who I was. So I decided to do something different and I took a yoga class, <laughs> just one, but um, I had never taken a class before. I had done yoga, you know, privately at home, but that feeling of community and it was a really mindfulness-based and meditation-based class helped me realize the connection between the mind and the body. And really I had been living up in anxiety, right? I had not come into my body. I was not in the present moment. So from there, I took more classes, um, workshops, and eventually yoga teacher training, which delved really heavily into the history and the meditation and mindfulness end. And from there, I got certified in a lot of the certifications that you talked about. But through that process of self-development and self-exploration, I found that I was able to be much more grounded in my life for my son, for my work, for the challenges that had come up in my life and was able to deal with the um, unpredictability of my husband's journey in a much more stable manner. Um, and so things really had started to develop. But as you mentioned in August, 2021, um, I woke up one morning to find that my husband had taken his life during the night. And um, at that point in time, of course, I, I got my son and I the mental health counseling that I knew we needed. But as the months started to go on, I realized I had let go of some of those practices that really had brought me back to my inner self and to my stability and that my soul still had its own journey. You know, it was really easy to get mired in the in the pain that I knew my husband had felt, but I still had a purpose in this life. So I, I incorporated those back into my life. And I realized I was able to bring my son to a place of hope and joy again as well. So I started my coaching business from there to bring a lot of these practices in a real um, individual way to, to, to my clients. Wow. So um, how did your training in the mindfulness-based um, stress reduction, uh, MSC, and uh, the other practices contribute to your own healing journey? Well, what I really think it did was help me to start recognizing my own heart where I could start to open it again instead of closing it off. I felt that connection to self, which I think sometimes when we go through trauma, we're just living in that fight or flight and it's hard to get out of those places. Um, truly, mindfulness and meditation is a really tricky place when you are first dealing with trauma because you need to take it very slowly, you know, because it's easy to um, 
get really overwhelmed with that quiet and, and the silence. But but in bringing in those practices as well as the self-compassion, which is a huge process to try to find compassion for yourself and kindness for yourself when you've dealt with a tragic loss such as suicide. And there's so much self-blame and guilt that pops up in those situations as well. So bringing in a lot of those practices um, really helped me come to a much more stable place uh, where I could start seeing hope and joy for the future. And then actually get to a place where I could start to help others. And that was really the most rewarding part of my journey after the loss of my husband. Exactly. Yeah. So your mission includes the uh, 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 destimulation of conversations around the suicide and tragic loss. So how do you believe it's crucial to openly discuss these topics and how can we approach the discussions with the compassion and the grace? So I think that what I've noticed is I I give a lot of workshops and talks at, at different places around around the U.S. and I often have a lot of people come up to me because I've shared my story openly about my husband's suicide who have dealt with a loss of suicide. Mm -hmm. And what I notice is a lot of times either themselves or, or loved ones who have dealt with the loss don't feel like they can speak about the loss openly. I mean, sometimes it's to the point where family members have told them to hide what the actual cause of death was because they're ashamed. And I think that that's really a place of shame for the loss survivor that starts to take hold and it doesn't facilitate the loss survivor's healing journey. So one part of that in the openness of the conversation for, for me is to help survivors learn how to own their truth if that's if that's what feels comfortable for them, right? If, if, so they don't have to live in that kind of shame. But also, I also on the other side find a lot of loved ones and friends or survivors don't know how to approach them once they've dealt with that loss. So they end up not approaching them and then the loss survivor feels very isolated. Um, I think that one of the things that opens that discussion is understanding it's a it's a difficult conversation and it's uncomfortable, but that sometimes it's okay to lean into that discomfort and allow yourself to be uncomfortable, but still be able to talk about that conversation so that everybody feels feels that love both ways as a loved one of the survivor and as a loss survivor. Got it. Understood. So, uh, I mean, for those who may be unfamiliar, could you explain the concept of divine sleep yoga nidra and how it has played a role in your healing process and the work you do with the others? Right. So divine sleep yoga nidra is a specific type of yoga nidra that was developed by Jennifer Reese. Um, yoga nidra, of course, is a, um, it's a it's a guided meditation practice that's very healing. There have been some studies that have said that 20 minutes of yoga nidra practice gives you the same restful benefits of three hours of sleep, of a deep sleep. But Jennifer Reese developed this yoga nidra practice that really takes you through the different levels of your of your of your koshas and, and your spiritual energy and physical body. And it's a guided practice that uses um energy work, some breath work, body scan, and guided meditation to really help you get to a deep healing place and help you own some of your intentions and the intention of your heart longing. So I bring that into my practice in different ways. Um sometimes it's a simple practice that helps people understand that when they're really dealing with a lot of trauma or anxiety, they can do something really simple. Like think of in order to bring themselves into their body, 
think of feeling opposites. That's actually part of part of this yoga nidra journey. So like you might feel hot and then you you start imagining feeling cold and you kind of go back and forth between the two until you try to feel both together. And in that process, it brings you directly into the body and brings down that anxiety level. Um, or sometimes I actually do a full like 30, 40 minute yoga nidra practice with someone if they really need that deep healing. So that's sort of how I bring that into my practice. I either take kind of piecemeal parts that might be good for my clients, or I will do a, a guided meditation with them one-on-one. Got it. I understood. So uh, in your coaching practice, what are some of the uh, common challenges individuals face when it comes to self-care, self-love, self-compassion, especially in the context of a grief and the loss? I think that one of the biggest challenges that they feel, um, especially in the context of a, of a loss, is um, a lot of guilt around feeling joy and a lot of guilt about wanting to move on with their life. Um, so in that case, it's important to start working slowly on bringing them back to a place where they can connect to their heart center. And part of that is bringing down the stress level. Um, by helping them to develop practices that can um, bring them into the body, lower the stress. Sometimes it's breath work. Sometimes it's walking out in nature. Um, sometimes it's some some folks have a really hard time being still for many reasons, um, especially if they've just dealt with a loss. So sometimes it's something as simple as throwing on a body scan meditation while they're cleaning and just noticing the senses in those moments. Like, what am I feeling as I'm cleaning? What, what is the smell of the cleaner? Anything that can bring you into the present moment. So bring down that stress level so that they can get to a place where they're thinking more clearly. And then after they've done that, we look at some of their self-identity practices. They're what in yoga you might call your ahankara. And um, working through um, anything that might have brought up some limiting beliefs through that, or that might be causing some of those guilt challenges, and then helping them understand that they may still be there, but we can release those. Because um, sometimes thoughts still pop up for you, but getting to a place where it's not controlling for you. And then once we've stripped those two things away, then we can get to a place where they can start feeling joy again and look towards the future. Exactly, exactly true, yeah. So, uh, okay. Now, uh, I mean, what role uh, does the community support play in healing journey for the suicide loss survivors? And how can the friends and the family effectively offer support without unintentionally causing more pain? Right. That is, that's really important. So I think um, taking the first part of that, as far as like a community, um, mm -hmm. I think that the important thing is to offer love and to be open to that conversation. If you look at it from a lost survivor's point of view, it's easy to take on the shame of others, but your truth might make somebody else uncomfortable. That doesn't mean you don't need to share it, right? Um, so as the community, when we hear somebody talking about the loss, just being there to be supportive and if it's uncomfortable for you to talk about the suicide, just say, hey, love you. I am here for you. You know, maybe even just sending a quick text as a loved one is a beautiful way to show that you're thinking about them. Because I actually know um, a lot of lost survivors who feel like 
a lot of their friends dropped off and wouldn't call, didn't come to the services, would even cross a, a store if they happened to see them in a grocery store because they didn't know what to say. But all you have to say is, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm sorry you experienced a loss. Um, so just understanding that the presence of you being there is the most important thing for the loss survivor because it's very isolating to feel like you're dealing with the guilt and blame and shame of the loss and there's nobody there to support you. So I think that just offering love in whatever way feels good to you is one of the most important things loved ones can do for a loss survivor. Um, and, and I think that as far as not causing unintentional pain, some of that is in being present, but also being careful in the type of questions that you talk about. And when you are present, doing it without judgment. If the lost survivor is talking about the suicide, just doing it without judgment. There's a lot of judgments through societies and through religions and through communities on that loss. And just trying to keep personal opinions out and just keep offering that love and not asking a lot of intrusive details about how the loss actually happened, because that might not be something lost survivors ready to talk about. True, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, here, like uh, you have also mentioned about your intention to speak uh, and write more about talking openly about the uh, suicide, tragic loss. So what impact do you hope to achieve with this effort? And how can uh, the society shift towards a more compassionate approach to these conversations? Right. So I think that my goal is just to open up the conversation like you're doing. <laughs> I think that the more we can get that word out there that this is an important conversation to have. Um, you know, I actually was was recently on a on a different podcast and I was talking about this and and somebody who um I know who are a couple and they're lost survivors, they happened to listen to it over Christmas and it was just amazing to me the value they got just knowing that somebody's out there talking about these conversations because they too had personally experienced a lot of hurt around um, not being able to openly talk about it to a lot of their friends and family. So I think that my goal is just to literally say that this is a conversation that we can have with love just keeping that love, grace, and compassion in mind. And I think when we're coming from a space of love, we're always doing it right. <laughs> you know, like people are afraid, maybe I'm going to say the wrong thing, but if you're really coming at it from true divine love, you can't do it wrong. So just come to that that conversation with um, that goal in mind. And I think that some of that discomfort automatically goes away. Um, so that's my goal is literally just to to open the conversation in love to as many people as possible. And hopefully that helps survivors and loved ones and the communities in general have that conversation. Um, and I'm sorry, I, I don't remember what the second part. I think you had a second part to that question. Yeah, it, it's about so the society, like how can the society shift towards this, uh, the more compassionate approach to these conversations? I mean, I think that part of that is in the awareness that this is a huge situation that affects so many people. I mean, I can rarely go anywhere that I don't find somebody who's been affected by suicide loss in some way, if not in a large way. So if that, if so many people are out there dealing with this, I think as a community, we need to get to a place where this is just an accepted conversation. So if you look back, 
you know, decades ago, even cancer was a difficult conversation for people to have. And now folks recognize the suffering that goes along with that. And there's so much suffering that goes along with suicide, whether it's the person who's um, dealt with contemplating suicide or the person who's the law survivor, um, just understanding that through, if you look at compassion, right? The first part of compassion is that there's suffering. And then from suffering, understanding that suffering is part of common humanity, right? And so um, how can we be kind as a community to others by offering that love and grace when we understand that it's a problem that affects almost almost everybody in some way? Exactly, definitely. So it, it's it, that common humanity part, I think, is really important for us to understand. You know, um, we're all a global community, right? <laughs> Oh, definitely. Yeah. So before we wrap up, like as someone who has not only survived but uh, thrived after such a profound loss, so what message of hope or the encouragement would you like to share with others who maybe on their own healing journey? Right. I think that the message of hope I'd like to give people is that if you can find a way to keep an open heart, there is still joy to be had. And to lean into others for the love. And that's a wonderful, beautiful way to keep that heart open, just recognizing that love and receiving it in yourself. Like sometimes it's easy to see the love, but really receiving that into your heart can help you to find joy and balance back in your life again. And finally, just remembering that, as I said, sort of when I started this, your soul has its own journey as well. And to not forget that journey in your loss. Great. Thank you for joining us on this deeply meaningful episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. Thank uh, you so much. Definitely a heartfelt appreciation goes out to our incredible guest, Renee, for sharing her wisdom, vulnerability, and the strength in navigating the complexities of suicide loss with the compassion, love, and the grace. So Renee's story is not just about one survival, but a kind of testament to the power of mindfulness, self-love, and embracing the difficult conversations. So we hope that uh, listeners like you have found inspiration and the practical insights that you can apply to your own journey towards the healing and the well-being. So if you have resonated with today's episode, do not forget to subscribe, rate, and share uh, a review. Your support definitely helps us continue to bring more valuable content and uh, that fosters a healthier mind and a more fulfilling life. So stay tuned for more empowering conversations on healthy mind and healthy life. And until next time, take care of your heart, nurture your mind and live with the intention. So thank you so much.